I'm not working. I'm calling in on vacation. Oh, oh yeah. How is vacation going? Where are you? I'm in Kentucky. Mom is currently making zucchini bread. So we can all cut off at nine, and Pam, you can just take the podcast over. No. <laughs> I was going to try to segue into our topic from food. No, from the, from uh, not having oh, to do it at work. I mean, that's the fact. Well, also that I'm not in Philadelphia, and all of us are remote technically. I'm in Cherry Hill, over the river. There was a um, tweet I saw that somebody said, um, by the year 2014, we will all travel long distances to work in front of a computer that's networked to all their computers, including the one in our home. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> that What was this? It was saying, like, uh, pretending to be like a uh, science fiction prediction uh, quote, and it said, by the year 2014, we will, we will travel long distances to work in front of a computer that's networked to all other computers, including the one in yes. our home. Yes. Ironically, this week I am uh, commuting in into town to sit in front of my laptop to then remote into an Amazon instance where I do all my work from because this client will not let me. Uh, they don't want anybody, anybody using a client like SSH client outside of their network, which I guess is a valid security risk in, in some. At some point, it's one in of the, the easiest security policies. Like. So our, it's like the laziest, though, right? Okay, yes, but because it's lazy doesn't mean it doesn't work. Like, so, I mean, that's like um, in uh, in the ACM, the Association of Computing Machinery, they have a, a monthly magazine if you're a member, and Snowden was one of the, the art cover features, I think, a month ago or two ago. And um, all it was was just, like, you know, a basic security expert running through all of the things that, like, very simple things that the NSA could have done. And one of them was that they let Snowden work remotely. So, and it's even better because apparently they let Snowden work remotely with the caveat that he basically have a blanket over his head while he was working at home with his girlfriend around. <laughs> like, if that doesn't sound like, wow, you all weren't thinking real hard. Like, you're, like it's, and it's the balance of, like, for security, like, you have to, you know, balance your need for security with your want for having people remain employed at your place of, of business. Yeah. One of the most basic forms of security is, like, if you don't want something red, don't send it over the pipe. You know? So, if you don't want to send it over the pipe, then you can't let people use the other pipes. Right. So. Yeah, but this, that wasn't, that doesn't really apply, I think, to, to most companies. I mean, no, case, of, course. of course. Yeah. We're talking about the NSA, like, which is supposed to like, should be doing like the most secure things that they could possibly do. Um, how, but like your e-commerce company probably does not, it's probably more important to keep your employees happy than it is to have that level of security in my humble yeah. opinion. Yeah. And, and that you, you do things like don't like, you know, use fake data in your local development environment, things like that. So you lock down your production data. Yeah. Even working on site though, you can potentially like leak documents. Unless unless your employees are coming in and you're taking their cell phone and strip searching them every time they leave the building, like they have the ability to move data, right? Well, yeah, anyone can carry a USB key if they, but you could have a computer without a USB port. Yeah, and then they make they make uh, software you can put on computers that prevent 
copying files to USB keys. Mm-hmm. So let's, I guess, we don't necessarily work for companies like the NSA. We're for small Shh, companies. Don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell everyone, Javon. You just ruined our entire security strategy. The NSA is <laughs> listening to the Skype call, and now I'm going to be fired. Thanks. Appreciate Thanks. that. <laughs> so I guess we should keep the conversation on the scale of like what we do. So I mean, are we? T- but I think rather than talking about security, we can move on to talking about what we do when we talk about working, like co-locating versus remote work. Yes. Right. So I think all of us recently have worked on site. So I know that Jervon, you work on site for a consulting company, but most of your clients, you don't sit with them, right? No, I just meet with them once a week. So technically, you're kind of remote. Yeah, I guess if you put it that way. But I think I interact more with coworkers, or I work with coworkers more than I need to with the clients. Like once I write out the stories for the week or the plan for the week, I don't really need them anymore. Right. And approving the features. So, what are the benefits of co-location? I think the most touted one is high bandwidth communication. Like you can just ask somebody a question when they're sitting next to you. Um, Definition. <laughs> co-location. Yeah. Uh, so co-location is just being in the same uh, physical vicinity building as the rest of your team. And there's like different scales of that too. Like on a small team, maybe you're all sitting around the same, you know, conference room table, like in a project room. But then there's also like being on site at a company when you're working with people that are in the same like large organizational unit, but might be in a different floor. So you're not really like working next to them. It still takes time to go talk to them face-to-face, but it's a little easier than, I guess, debatedly, if you were remote. I think that a lot of the the issues I see with co-location versus remote is just that co-location, like the, the purported claim of benefit is that you that it's easier to communicate, but I almost think that it's... Like, communications always work. So, like, what you're saying... Uh, about like someone being on a different floor like you might like call a meeting and you know that's how you deal with that and there's there's no reason why you can't do something similar and appropriate for a remote situation for that absolutely yeah so i've i've worked on a few teams that have been on site and a few teams that have been entirely remote and one team that was partially remote and partially on site and I guess the most surprising thing for me is that being on site completely, the whole, the entire team, and being remote the entire team, there's not much of a difference in communication. When everybody's on the same page, like, the channel's just naturally open to communicate with people. Like, you have a, when you're remote, you have a team chat, you have a way to one-on-one chat with people, you can have video calls, if you're, if you're pairing, you can sit on an audio or video call while you're pairing with somebody. On site, you can, you know, do the same things, and... Actually, on-site, sometimes it's even harder to get a hold of somebody because you need to go stand up and go over talk to them, and sometimes you're interrupting them. So lots of companies that you are on-site at do have those chat programs as well, and it, you can be a little more asynchronous with how you, quote-unquote, bother somebody. Yeah, um, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking, that I, I like the option of asynchronous communication. Yeah. In, a, in the book Remote by 37 Signals, they actually argue that you know the, the uh, remote forms of communication are superior because you'll kind of 
interrupt somebody at like the appropriate level. Like if you don't need an answer for a few hours, you can shoot them an email. If you would prefer an answer shortly, you could, you know, uh, send them a, a text message or a chat in uh, HipChat or Campfire. And uh, if you really need an answer, you could actually just pick up the phone. So my favorite thing about using uh, group chat is that sometimes you don't need an answer from one person. Sometimes anybody can answer your question or you just need somebody to help you. And very rarely do we stand up in the office and scream like, hey, I need help with this. <laughs> it, it, I think it makes a lot more sense to broadcast that asynchronously in a team chat and say like, hey, does anybody have time to take a look at this or can anybody answer this question for me? I mean, or Justin, maybe the solution is we just need more hats. We need to wear hats when we need assistance. More that could be your office signal. More hats. You just you just raise your hand and wait. Yeah, raise your hand and put on your hat. That the, <laughs> please please come pair with me hat. And I then, need help hat. Yeah, and then your problem will get solved. This is a great idea. I can see this being a business. We actually tried that. At hats in, at start Indie up Hall. hats with a Z. Not what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't, we didn't try that. Indie Hall? Not hats. There's like these little coasters that went around, and one of them. Oh yeah, it was I was green, and it yeah, said I was working, working there when that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on. Yeah. So, so the, it's the like green a side Brazilian like, steakhouse. Yeah, exactly. But the problem is, you forget to flip it over, and then whatever it says isn't really the truth. Because you there's one side that said like I'm working, so it's like red, like don't interrupt me. The other side mm-hmm. was green, like co-working, like it's okay to interrupt me now. Uh, but you know, people forgot to flip them over and they ended up just being meaningless in short order. Well, I think it also is that people weren't walking around and looking to see like, hi, is there someone I can help? Like, it, but I mean, it was a, it was a good experiment. So, and it could have also been because they are, because uh, they were coasters, so they were flat. So, uh, you know, hats. <laughs> Sorry, I just think the hats idea is funny. Um, but, you know, <laughs> no, but really, but like if you had like a flag, you know, like kind of like when you go to some restaurants and you have like a flag for your order, so it's easier to find you because it's a vertical indicator. No, one other thing I was going to finish up with saying is that um, even when you're entirely on site, your uh, your team is used to talking face to face and having in person meetings. And then when one person has to stay home, which on any every time you add a person to a team, that that likelihood is like exponentially higher. Like, I feel like on a t- team of 10 to 15, like, at least one person's always from remote. That person <clears throat> is much difficult, more difficult to communicate with um, if your team is used to communicating in person only. So I mentioned earlier that I worked for one team where some of the team was on site and some, some were remote. I think there were about five or six on site and two to three remote. And it was a uh, very interesting experience because the people that were remote, like, I... I uh, personally felt very disconnected from the rest of the team. And that was it was interesting because I worked on a fully remote team previously where everybody was remote and I didn't feel disconnected at all. Like I felt like I had conversations with these people and I knew their, you know, daily routine. Like I knew them on a daily basis the same as I would as I was in person. But being one of the few remote on a team that was mostly on site, there were conversations happening and there were, you know, there was a culture on site that wasn't reflected with the remote workers. So, yeah, I mean, I I definitely did want to bring that up. I I think of that as I call it like the island problem. Mm. Like, because I've I've literally been like the only remote person for some teams, um, and the kind of fights that I would have 
heated, interesting discussions I would have. Um, like, if you're going to have a meeting, get a microphone. Like, <laughs> and not, you, like, it's like these, these things seem so obvious to me. And, but people just bring their laptop and I, I can't hear 10 people speaking through a laptop. I need a microphone. A good, like, uh, Mac laptop and Skype is much better than, uh, like, a speaker phone. Phones are the worst. Well, actually, I mean, I think, like, what, I guess as you all probably, like, I don't know, I think, Len, you probably know more about microphone gear, but, <laughs> uh, but, like, but part of the issue is you need a multi-directional microphone. So, yes, some, like, conference, that is always so interesting, yes, because I guess, like, conference phones are, uh, have been around forever, but I do really like video, um, but I like it with a multi-directional mic. So that you don't have to, so that, you know, because someone who's far away from the laptop or to the right of the laptop, you can't really hear them because you don't have a multi-directional microphone. And right. Also, like these days, you know, Skype and Google Hangouts, you can log into those on your phone. It makes a huge difference if you just pass the phone around each person that's speaking for the person that's remote. It's a small oh, yeah. to the team. Yes, but just like, like if you can, be like, closer to the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, exactly. It's not hard. But then, it's, but then the inverse is true also that sometimes it's hard for them to hear you. I've been on teams with, with a few people remote where we have to have like a Google Hangout or a group Skype video call. Uh, and we couldn't get a conference room like that one day. And everybody did the, the stand-up from their, from their computer with a headset. And it was so great. <laughs> like even for everybody on site, they were like, wow, that was really easy. And you know, I could hear everybody in... And they didn't yeah, have to leave their desk. Yeah. Like, because it's a stand-up. Like, it literally lasts five minutes. Yeah, exactly. So if you're, if you're on-site with some people remote, try that. Just, just everybody stay at their desk, put, it, put a headset on, give it a shot. Yeah, and then everybody has the same, like, level of communication. So sometimes if you're, in, like, in a room with somebody who's remote, you'd be, like, making eye contact or, like, having, you know, side conversations that the other people are separated from. Exactly. My first remote team was uh, with a team in London, and we started by using phones. And between the quality of like phones and heavy, heavy British accents, uh, sitting through meetings, we just had no idea what was being said through most of it. We just. I mean, say, side note: totally can't understand British accents. <laughs> <laughs> I totally I put on subtitles just as a side note. <laughs> so hard to understand. But yeah, I think that's a good point that like when, was it, Len, you were talking about what they said in the book that they, um, was it in the book that they say like basically like when you use all the remote tools or like you use all the on-site tools, like things make sense? I think it like this, the island thing, like if, if someone's, if it feels like someone's different, you start treating them differently, whether you realize it or not, because we're, you know, we're mammals. So, you know, if someone's you know, if, if you have your, if you go out to lunch with some people every day and then there's like this someone who's like on the other side of the country who might have, you know, you know, a different style of availability than you, but you don't really know because you never really got the chance to know them because you do that with people in the office, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, and then they just get more and more isolated. Yeah, I think not knowing people can be a big problem. Like with this team we were working with uh, in London, like one or two people that there's like you know ideologically opposed 
and I just get so mad because to me they were just like all that person was was this screen name in Campfire that always said really stupid things I never agreed with. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, a few months into it, we went over there, you know, met them, realized they were actual people, and just my level of feeling towards them was completely different. I'm like, oh, that's a person. That's that's John. He's cool. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important. Like, even though you can have like everybody's in the same level of priority and everybody communicates daily when you're fully remote, is to go on site once in a while if you're working for a company that's on site. Or if your team's entirely remote, get people together like once a quarter or once every, like every half year for a retreat or something just so they can, you know, meet each other face-to-face a little bit. Yeah, and I know plenty of people who, who when we talk about, when I talk about remote work with them, they say, oh, I'm a fan of remote work as long as I meet the people beforehand. But they mm. want to do it like up front. And I mean, that's not possible with all remote teams, like if you have a completely distributed team, but I do like. I think the retreat style thing is really cool. I've never been somewhere that does that, but that sounds kind of fantastic. Yeah, meeting somebody is so important, getting to know them. I mean, even if you don't do any work, you can realize when they're <clears throat> when they're being sarcastic or when they're being sincere in chat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we do lose so much. Like, I love textual communication, but we lose so much in it. And I, I know a lot of people, like, I feel like a lot of people don't like video. I'm kind of a fan of video, but I know a lot of people when I say, hey, like, when I was remote and I'd be like, cake, hey, like, I can either call you on the phone or I can call you on the video. I prefer video. And, like, they would be like, no, let's just let's just textual chat about it for, like, an hour or we could solve it in, like, 10 minutes on the phone. What was that, um, that chat program that had the, uh, the grayscale slow video? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That sounds awesome. I don't know what it is. So, so, so what it was? I have no idea what you mean. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up uh, before the end of that. Episode. Also, is Jervon alive? I haven't heard from him in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> I am alive. So this, this this program, what it did was it um, ran your computer, just like you know Skype or Google Hangouts, and your camera was on, and you would see the rest of your team. You would see grayscale screenshots of them that are taken like every ten seconds. So you would just see if they're at their desk or not. That's all you would see. You wouldn't like see them doing anything, or it wasn't like really an invasion of privacy. But then you could click them, and you would instantly be in a video call with them. And all the video calls that other people were having were color-coded with each other. So if Javon was talking to Pam, I would see both of them with the same like color symbol, and I could, I could click one of them and join their, their call. I get it. So, like, the idea is, like, yeah, like, if there's, like, a group of people, you can walk up and join them. Exactly. So, it was it was trying to, like, I guess, replicate, like, um, on-site conversations, but remotely. It was, it was really neat. I'll have to find that before the end of the call. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I do think, though, like, something I think about in interaction design is, like, it's, it's always good to kind of start with like skeuomorphism where you're kind of copying and it's something someone's already familiar with. But I do feel like there's other way, like there's always a new interaction that you haven't really thought of yet, you know? And like, that's, that's kind of the edge of interaction design. So it's like, while that's, I I see exactly what that's replicating in the real world. It's like, is there like, you know, I think there will be eventually other interesting interactions that we haven't thought of yet. So I, I could see a huge downside to that. 37 Signals argues that you know one of the benefits of remote work is to stop those interruptions. When you're co-located, you'll be 
tempted to in our people when you don't really need an answer right away. So having that barrier can sometimes be good to, you know, remove a lot of unneeded distractions. So this app is called Squiggle, S-Q-W-I-G-G-L-E. Of course, it has a W, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Just the one other benefit of a, you know, text chat is that there's history of that. I know a couple times uh, with this team. Oh, yes, I love history. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be like, what was that server password again? What was that server <laughs> password? Oh, I forgot I mean, it again. All right, so now we've circled Talk all the way back security. to security <laughs> and about how Len, apparently, all I have to do is hack his chat logs to get all of his server passwords. Pro <laughs> tip. Um, but yeah, no, but I mean, for real, like just like searching and saying, I know that someone said something about that like a month ago. Um, and because email search is awful at least for the email service that we use um but chat search is pretty decent yeah yeah I, <clears throat> it's a requirement i think that if you have a group chat that you have some kind of searchable history hopefully native like don't use irc with a log or nobody actually looks at that i mean people could make your you could make your irc log searchable let's be fair like it's just that i feel like when people set up an irc they often just like set up very simple setup and don't complicate it enough yeah so do you guys see any other benefits of having a team that's co-located i mean some people like to just get out of their house like i i mean i know for for one i like the mixture of remote and co-location because i am a social animal what do you mean by mixture like like my ideal setup is like three days around in kind of an office-like environment that is purposed for work with the people that I work with um and then a few and then the other day is remote yeah I would I would say one day on site for me (laughs) would be ideal just one just one yeah I mean I probably could go down I think I just maybe maybe two yeah I definitely like being on site like looking to lunch with people I like talking with people but those things are not the same as like getting work done so, like, even though it's beneficial for me, I guess, to have human interaction, it just depends on how I get it. Um, but I don't think it really well. Makes okay, so there's yeah. so there's also human interaction, and then there's also I don't know in a different way to say this than strategy. But like, if you want, like, it's just easier to have an influence on direction of a product if you're. Like if there is a if there are people who are already co-located, so like that's a you know a prerequisite. Basically, like I'm talking about like a situation where there is an office for people to go to. Oh yeah, I guess um, I'm just assuming that whatever <clears throat> scenario we're thinking of, the entire team has the same scenario. Oh yeah, I don't. I yeah. So when I think for if it were the entire team having the same scenario, probably like one day on site would work, because <laughs> then you're pretty much remote. Like you're pretty much remote patterns, and then like you all decide to show up at the same place one day a week. At that point, it might not even matter. You just do like, you know, you could probably like start with weekly, move to monthly, and then you end up with the quarterly retreat. Just because if you're going to co-locate everybody, just do it. I mean, Jermon, don't you don't you know how to remote pair? Like, don't you do that with people? I haven't yeah, really figured that out. Some people argue that it's not as good. I some people say don't think this like ever... there's like <laughs> something like a methodology where people could make like an experiment and I think that thing is called science <laughs> and people could actually test and see 
if pairing remotely versus in person makes a difference. I, I would be interested in that study. For the first year that I paired, I paired remotely and I paired with the same guy. And it actually got a little weird. I was like used to like eight hours a day for there being this voice in my head. <laughs> and it was weird to program when it didn't happen. But Right. Did you did you start hearing his voice at other times? Like you'd be like eating a sandwich and you'd be like, <laughs> don't make a global variable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, try, I've um, test first. I've paired remotely with great success. I think you have to make a small investment in like figuring out how it works best for both of the pairs, the same way we do when we're on site. Like if you if you have a a desk setup that's very elaborate with monitors and like an HDMI splitter, like that's an investment you've made for pairing on site. You can make that same investment to pair remotely. Like there's just different tools and different options you can do. But yeah, I, I enjoy it a lot pairing either way. I still have a weird habit from that year of remote pairing that when I do pair in person, I'll tend to like not want to look away from the code. Like I think the benefit of remote pairing is that, you know, you don't have that need to make eye contact and you can be staring at the thing you're working on and talking about while you're talking about it. I mean, what? so I, I'm just curious what tools you all use when you talk about remote pairing. So the two that I like, so if, if both people are um, comfortable in the command line and command line Vim or in command line Emacs, like if you can do everything in the terminal and you're not working on a graphical... I'll, I'll get more into that in a second. Um, that seems to me to be the the best way to have people on the same like uh, level of parity because the commands are sent really quick and it's just sending text back. So basically you SSH from one computer to another and both people are sharing the same terminal. We I, I use Tmux for that. If you need to use a GUI editor or if you're working on a, a GUI application like a website that you need to actually look at the result um, I like, like Screen Hero. Um, Screen Hero is a free app. You make an account. It's like almost like an instant messenger. You can like talk to people with text, or you can like invite them to look at your screen, and then it has audio built in. Um, and the latency for the remote person is very very low. Uh, you can also choose to share one app or your entire desktop. I used Screen Hero last week, and the other person was on a tethering with their mm -hmm. cell phone. That worked amazing. So nice. Screenflow, Screen Hero definitely has improved since they first came out. Yeah, one thing I like to do, no matter if you're using, like, I guess if you're using Screen Hero or um, Tmux or anything else, is to have a separate app for the audio channel so that if you need to, like, reconnect to Screen Hero or if Screen Hero dies or if you need to, like, troubleshoot, like, why you guys can't connect to each other, I like having a, a separate app that's just purely audio or video. I also haven't done this very often, but I like the idea of having like an iPad or a second monitor or something set up with just the person's face on it. And then you can kind of like look over and talk to somebody and they can see if you're looking at them or not, or if you're looking at your screen. It makes it feel uh, more more like you're in person. Yeah, I think that's a, a cool thing. I actually was uh, visiting someone's office the other day and they had a... Uh, one of these setups where it's, you know, essentially an iPad on a Segway um, <laughs> so that, you know, you can zip around the office if you're remote and, like, you know, say hi to people. That's amazing. I don't know. I, I'd never actually seen someone who actually had one. 
Um, I, I've known people who've like worked on software for them. I've known like I've known about them for a few. They've been around for a few years now, but that was the very first time I'd ever seen someone actually use one. And it, you know what happened was they actually. Um, when I, I went up to the office, uh, uh, the person I was visiting wanted to show me the the setup, and she was looking for it, and the people, like, from her team had, like, hidden it and put it in a corner <laughs> and, like, put the brakes on it so that it couldn't wheel around and bother them. Oh, well. Was this a company investment, or was this, like, the remote worker, like, I want to be more present on site, so I'm going to put this thing there? I think it was it was a probably a mixture. I think it was so this the person who was on the other end was a, a founder of the startup, um, okay. and I think the other founder who was on site, like I think they kind of got it together. Either either she got it and that's because it was funny, or he got it because he thought it would be a good idea. I'm not <laughs> sure which way it went, but I thought that was really cool. That is cool. Speaking of tools, one thing I've seen as a red flag for for partially remote teams is a, um, or even, even fully on-site teams, is having, like, for example, like, two Kanban board, uh, like a physical, it doesn't even need to be, like, a Kanban or project board. It could be anything physical, but having something physical on-site and then also having a digital version um, or only having the physical version for having a remote on the team. I've heard project managers say before, like, oh, like, I'll keep the, the physical and digital one in sync. I've actually heard that a few times at different companies, and that, that never, ever happens. Yes, it is generally a lie. But, I mean, I don't know. So why do, like, why do people want to keep the physical thing, then? Well, I think it's like when you have an on-site stand-up, people want to like look and point at things. And if you want to do that, just, you know, good-sized TVs are not that expensive, and your company probably, probably, already right. probably has a few anyway. I mean, <laughs> or we need our... Uh, what what's the Get Your Grass to Mars movie? That movie. We need that screen. I'm not familiar with that. Yes, you are. It's the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger and oh. Paul Vanderhoven. Oh my gosh, why is it leaving me? Nobody tell her. <laughs> You're mean. <laughs> Everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm actually just, just hiding the fact that I can't remember the name. I think if you are co-located, the physical board, I mean, it is superior to, to technology. Just... Being able to do the planning game, have the card in your hand, look at it, put the estimate on it, see it there, see it physically move. There's something much more satisfactory about that whole process. See, I, I have not experienced that, you know, satisfaction of moving a physical thing. Like, I'm at my desk, even if I'm on site, I'm at my desk, and I need to, like, look at what I'm going to do next. I have to, like, go up and, like, look, stand in front of this board and, like, read all these things that are, like, poorly handwritten. I'd much rather just like sit at my computer and see everything in a list that I can interact with the mouse on my keyboard. Trello is cool. Yeah, I dig Trello. I've I've tried to look at other Kanban services to see if I like them better, but eh, Kanban's a a pretty nice and simple system. So so, but if a company wants to go remote, what would you guys? What would be the first steps to make that transition? I think you should. I've never seen anybody do this, but I've been thinking about it a lot. If you have employees that are on site, require them to work at least one day remote per week. You that I don't know. That just that gets into an interesting thing because some people do like. I mean, or just just one I day. Guess, well, yeah, but it's, as long as you do the, uh, yeah, yeah. So as long as it's a remote and not necessarily a from home. Hmm. Okay. You don't have to go home, but you can't be here. <laughs> yeah, I guess not everybody has like a comfortable home office to work from or, or even like a quiet home 
Maybe yeah. if you have like kids or roommates or something, I don't know. I mean, I, I have friends who don't even have internet at home because mm. I don't know why they do that to themselves, but they do. <laughs> so, because it makes them, them leave when they want to go work. Yeah, right. I cannot work at home. I work from a co-working place. Yeah, I, uh, I just think that like if you require your on-site employees to work from home one day a week, you will very quickly you know, flush out all these issues and investments you need to make to make that comfortable. I think that'd be also, yeah, and I think maybe even if you just do that, like, if you do it, say, like, all right, people, we only have to do this for a month. Like, so you literally have to do it four times if you don't like it. Um, but it, that would definitely help with the island problem because people would understand the issues exactly. that people go with. Because also, like, you know, especially if people, if you don't all pick the same day, you know, that you say, like, hey, like, make sure you stagger the days so you see what it's like to try and work with people who are in an office. I like that. So then, like, so then you see the pain points, and then hopefully you get, you know, you, you're literally walking in other people's shoes. Yeah. So you get to see, like, I mean, maybe, that's one of those things when I would talk to you, we'll be like, you know, I know that we need a micro, like a multi-directional mic and a better, you know, speaker set up for a big meeting that has a remote portion because I've been on both ends of it, because I had been in person and I couldn't hear them, so I was like, you guys need to buy speakers, and then I would be remote, and I wouldn't be able to hear someone who was on the other side of the room. A lot of it is just mindset, too, getting people around the idea that, that people don't need to be in their chair from 9 to 5 for them to be productive. Yeah, I guess backing up with Javon's question, like, let's go over why a company would want their employees to be remote. I think the biggest one for me is like if your existing employees are remote, it's much easier for you to find the talent that you need if you broaden your search area to the entire U.S. or the entire world instead of just your local geographic metropolitan area. I mean, yeah, it's definitely, remote's definitely a good recruiting tool. And even if people are in the same area, not to have them need to sit in a car for 45 minutes stuck in traffic in order to uh, work with you. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, um, Yeah, having worked remote and then now commuting in the city for a suburban dweller. Uh, it's only like a half hour drive or an hour in the car, but then I think about like, okay, I'm sorry, an hour on the train. Um, then I think about like, did I really just spend 10 hours driving and taking a train this week? Like, what did I get out of that? I guess I got a little you bit of You listen to the podcast. Yeah, I got a little bit of podcast time. <laughs> yes. I guess I got like a little bit of like playing game on my phone time, but it's debatable how helpful that really was. Playing game on your phone on the train, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, not in a car, dear God. <laughs> yes, I'm not playing uh, games on my phone while I'm driving. Not endorsed by Turing and Complete. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's also I one of the things I do like about I guess some of my my preferred situations is that my commute is usually walking or riding a bicycle, so it's actually pretty pleasant. Like taking a train is you know like semi-pleasant, not always pleasant, and then d- driving a car is very much not pleasant. Cars are terrible. You have to spend yeah. all that energy just making sure you don't die and don't kill anybody. It's too much work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it takes yeah. a lot of your, your brain focus away right away at the beginning of the day. The one company I didn't mind working on site for at all was a startup that was in the same suburban area that I was. So it was a drive, but it was like 10 minutes, and I could even like go home for lunch if I wanted to. Uh, so I didn't mind working on site there, and I and I could see if I lived in um, the city and I could like walk or or bike a short distance to work. I wouldn't really mind being on site every day. And and to Pam's point too, uh, 
I, I do love uh, lunch options in the city versus where I live now. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, the social thing, too, of there are lunch options and there are people to go to lunch with. Right. So I personally miss just being able to time shift, too. Before I was on site, I was splitting up my day where I would go to Indy Hall, which is the co-working place in Philadelphia. Uh, I'd work for three hours. Then my CrossFit gym has a noon class. So I'd go to class, come home, make lunch. Then I'd take a nap. Then I'd get back to Indy Hall around like three and then do the second half of my day. Yeah, I do. I do like that style. And I, I wish we did do more of that. I guess the we being the royal we. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have to be. I want to go to a 10 a.m. yoga that. class. No, and that's also true. Like you can just like, you know, peace out and do your thing and come back. Yeah, time and shifting. That's actually kind of what you were saying. Yeah, is like because you were talking about like indie hall. You were technically at a site. Right. You know. Yeah, so I guess time shifting is related, but not. To yeah, not a dependency, work. not yeah. a hard dependency. Because that could okay. also be like an anti-pattern of remote work. Is if no one's, if people aren't working at the same time, communication could be seriously stunted. I don't know if it'd be necessarily an anti-pattern or a symptom that you aren't, you haven't found the right way to communicate with your team. That if, like, I think you can deal with an entire team that does time shifting because you can have teams that have different schedules too. You know, you, we have these things called time zones. So um, if someone's like, you know, like I want to do one day, go work in the south of France for three months, uh, like that it's still possible to work with them because you, because you create a, a working agreement of sorts. Like, and you say, this is, you know, this is how I like to communicate. Here's how I, like to be, how I like to be communicated with. How can we work that out to our own mutual benefit? So I've run into problems, like, with this team from London where we would start our day at 10 and two hours later they would go home. So if we had a question at noon our time, we would just have to sit on it till the next day. So we actually, we actually compromised and as much of a morning person as I am not, I would wake up at like six in the morning to start my day. Yeah. Uh, I had the same problem working for a West coast company where I prefer to start working, especially from home at like eight or nine in the morning. They wouldn't start until about 10 30 specific, which is, you know, one thirty Eastern. Uh, so our morning standup was actually at two thirty Eastern and, and then I would be finished by like five at the latest so I could start making dinner and yeah, there was a huge disconnect because of the time zone. Some consultancies uh, that allow remote remote work, or I guess even companies, still require everybody to work from the same time zone or in the same time frame. Like if you're a couple time zones away, it's okay as long as you're okay getting up a little earlier. Right, as long as you have like maybe like a a three hour overlap or something like that. Yeah, like, like not just one hour. Like the one remote consultancy I worked for just required you to work nine to five from a from some U.S. time zone. So there was always, you know, five hours of overlap. And that was pretty pleasant. And you had to make stand-up at the same time. Uh, I guess one thing we should talk about is uh, not everybody likes working remote. And I'm sure that if if you're at an on-site company that's completely on-site, you probably, over time, have built up a culture of people that that enjoy working on-site. And I don't think everybody... That's that's true, because that's who you hired. Exactly. Yeah, so I don't think people can just like flip a switch and like go remote. Um, 
And the other thing I wanted to say was, some people, you know, I think written communication, especially like group chat and even like one-on-one chat, is almost like a, a skill that you build over time. So I have a friend who, he doesn't work in technology, but he does have the option to work from home. But he likes to go into the office because he doesn't actually do that much work. And he feels that uh, when he's working from home and when he's on eBay for three hours, he's like, I'm literally doing nothing. But he has like no guilty conscience about being in the office for three hours on eBay. I'm sure if you get paid to sit in a seat, that's what you, you do. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that I've, I've never been able to personally process, that people... Like, people think that if you showed up, then it counts. Yeah. I think that's a good benefit of remote work because you need to judge people by their output. You can see when people aren't doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It shifts things to, like, judging people on their merits and and what they produce versus just sitting in a seat. Yeah, it's actually, um, I know that there is, like, a, you know, know, TM, some methodology uh, that is like an approach to working that is just the uh, maybe uh, it's like maybe it's like the results oriented workplace or something like that like one of those organizational dynamics kind of things where it's like we're going to adopt this philosophy and one of the things is that like literally you kind of strip away everything and then it's like well your only measure is stuff getting done so that you strip away like the requirements of time or co-location and you measure things as a, I think it is called a results-oriented workplace, but I think that's interesting. Yeah, because R-O-W-E, results, uh, results only workplace, results only work environment. Oh, uh, okay. And it's like, it's not just for tech companies, this is like everybody, you know, like this is like these, these consultants who kind of have like this, their name for it, um, but like they have like Gap on their homepage. Like the Gap wants to be a results-only work environment. Pretty interesting. So, do we want to do picks? I forgot about picks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have two picks. That's why I went ahead and just said it because I because I luckily remembered both things that I tried to remember this podcast. High fiving myself. Um, so I'm gonna pick that uh, that results only workplace uh, results only work environment uh, website. I think that's pretty interesting for people to check out. Uh, and then uh, the movie I was trying to think of earlier with the large television screen was, of course, Total Recall. So 10 points to anyone who remembered and didn't tell me. Um, I have zero so, points. Zero points. Um, so then my pick is actually the director, Paul Verhoeven, because I love his movies. They're fantastic. They're so ridiculous and amazing. Paul Verhoeven, as you are not aware you know, directed Total Recall, RoboCop, Starship Troopers. Um, So basically fantastic, fantastical sci-fi movies. Um, So please watch everything that Paul Verhoeven has made. Anyone else got picks for the week or is it just results in the workplace and Paul Verhoeven? Uh, I've got one. There's a GitHub project called Learn Haskell. Uh, The user is Bite My App. Uh, yeah, I just realized how what that means. Okay, uh, <laughs> is, it, is it like is it learn you Haskell or just learn Haskell? It's just learn Haskell. It's, it's not the book Learn You a Haskell. Um, mm-hmm. Also a good book, by the way. Um, but it's basically 
this person laid out like these are the steps you should do to learn Haskell. Like these are the resources you should read in this order. Uh, and I haven't gone through it yet, but I've seen a couple comments in different threads that people suggest this and that it worked really well for them. So I'm excited to try that out. Javon, do you have a pick? Yeah, I've been working a lot with Elasticsearch recently. Um, the there's not many uh, articles about it, but uh, Elasticsearch has a definitive guide, which is a book they're writing, but it's free to read online. So if you want to play with Elasticsearch or learn more about it, check out Elasticsearch definitive guide. So my pick would be a little bit of a cop out, but I'll pick related to our topic, the Wide Teams podcast which I think is on hiatus, but there are lots of good interviews. It's basically off D. Grimm, uh, just interviewing a remote worker of some sort for a half hour, talking about their processes and, and tools. So whyteams.com. And I guess that's it. Uh, show notes are at turing.cool slash nine. And, and follow, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> and have a happy 4th of July. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye, guys.